This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, and joining me, as he does every week, is Arusha Pires. He is an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. We were supposed to have John Najarian on from Market Rebellion, but unfortunately, he got stuck in a conference in Miami. So we're going to have to have him on at another time. So, hey, looks like you're stuck with us this time around. But mm -hmm. we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, specifically this market that has been so strong to start the year. And the question on everyone's minds is, is this for real or is it another bear market rally trap? So Arusha, uh, let's just kind of get your opening thoughts on uh, how the market's been treating you to start 2023. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the market has been treating me pretty well. I've, I honestly, I've, I've been a little bit, a little bit slower to to move into the market, and that's that's my own fault because I haven't listened to it. All the signals we're going to go over a number of these signals, right. uh, and but and it's amazing at how many signals that there were. Um, so I, I I wish I was more aggressive, but don't we always kind of wish that we always had more <laughs> money uh, in, in uh, earlier on? But uh, it's always it, easy in hindsight, right? It <laughs> is always easy in hindsight. Yeah, and and I mean what what I always tell you know I've I've said this before and uh, is that and I tell myself this is that you're you're always going to be miserable in, in in the markets, right? You're mm -hmm. you're gonna. You're always gonna not have enough money when the markets are working. You're always gonna uh, buy sometimes buy too late, or, or I mean sell too late, or, or buy too soon. You're never gonna do it perfectly, but in the end, as long as you're making money when those windows open, you're making progress, and yeah. then just use that to get better. Uh, right. So yeah, the markets the markets are are treating me well as as. Hopefully, everyone who's listening to, if, if you've listened to some of the a number of these signals that have come into the market, mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's worth remembering that um, while while this you know might make you feel like oh I'm I'm too late you know and I I, I missed it you know if this truly is for real you've got time you know yeah. remember bull markets kind of happen over months and years even uh so if this is the beginning of a bull market you know don't feel like you have to chase too much and that was kind of our whole thing that we were talking about with Anne marie band last week uh the whole patience pays idea now this week what we're going to get into is uh, we're going to get into some of the studies and data that we have behind our market school uh, this is something that Charles Harris, uh, portfolio manager at O'Neill Global Advisors, uh, Mike Webster, a former portfolio manager, and I, you know, put together and you know did all this data. So we'll go over go over some of the signals that we use in market school and what what some of those mean. Um, and of course, we'll also talk about some stocks that are on our radar, uh, both Arusha and I, and uh, markets as well. So let's go ahead and pull up some charts uh, real quick, and we can kind of just take a look at what has been happening for the Nasdaq. Uh, the Nasdaq composite, because the Nasdaq composite has certainly switched to become the leading index. And remember, this all starts on January 6th. So maybe uh, Arusha, if you can point out that day, um, you know, on, on the chart. And, you know, what's what's interesting about this is it really was pretty close to the bear market lows. I yeah. mean, the bear market lows were on October 13th. Um, you know, we had kind of pulled back uh you know quite a bit uh and december 28th was our more recent low um so we were we were pretty close to those lows uh when we had this follow-through day um and you know look at it, it it was 
you know, we're still below the 50-day moving average line. We are below the 200-day moving average line. I think there was a lot of reasons to be cautious. Um, but, you know, we can talk a little bit about some of the some of the things that we were seeing very early on. And one of the big things was uh, what we call the subsequent follow-through day. And the idea behind this is, remember, the follow-through day is, you know, you've got a powerful day. Volume is heavier than the day before. And what we kind of term the subsequent follow-through day is when you see something that qualifies as a follow-through day happen after the follow-through day. And when you get those signals happening over and over and over again, it just tells you that there's more power, more power uh, to, to the rally. And one of the things that I was keeping track of is that we, we actually had uh, uh, the, the, the pileup of subsequent follow-through days got to such a point that we actually broke a record uh, from from the data that I have, the wow. market school data that I have from uh, the NASDAQ. So we can just go through it real quick. Um, we had January 11th um, as, as our first subsequent follow-through day. Then we had January 20th, the 23rd, the 26th, the 31st, then the 1st of February, and the 2nd of February. And, uh, you know, really... Tuesday uh, of, of this of this week, um, you know, just yesterday, uh, we're 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 doing this taping on the eighth of uh, February on Wednesday, but on the seventh of February we actually had what would have qualified as another day. Wow. So wow. that that broke a record. You know, it, it, it just we haven't seen that many subsequent follow through days in that first twenty five day window um, in the history of the Nasdaq going back to nineteen seventy three. So. Um, what does that what does that say to you, uh, Arusha? Um, I, I think it says that there there's plenty of accumulation going on in, mm -hmm. in the in the markets. Uh, now, you, you, all you have to do is just look at the volume on this Nasdaq, yeah. and that's you know that, I think that's what's telling me. But I think that additional follow today when I when I learned about that concept in in the market school. It made sense because it's almost just constantly knocking on the door. Hey, another one, another one, another one. Uh, now, it doesn't necessarily mean that this really means it's at the beginning of a. We're at the start of a bull market, right? Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be massive short covering, right? Right. But it really feels like uh, when you just look at that volume, and I think because you definitely could debate. The, there is a lot of short covering. A lot of these stocks mm -hmm. that have the the stocks that have done the best are the stocks that got hammered the most last right. year, right? Which I think at the bottom um, or near the bottom of a bear market, that's what's going to happen a lot of times. The uh, the XRT for you know this is the retail ETF. This is the most shorted ETF. Uh, mm. In the market, apparently, I, I saw I saw that um, that data recently, and this went like a rocket ship, right, yeah. uh, right up to that seventy-five level. Uh, and so those last couple of days, and that, that was probably January, February first and second. That was almost you know the shorts kept trying to hold those those positions, and they 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 might have been forced to capitulate too, because uh, mm -hmm. that volume was. I mean, it went kind of vertical, and the volume was massive, and so. You can bait it whether it's short covering or not, but a lot of times I think the best thing to do is kind of just take a step back and just look at that price and volume and just take it as is, right? Mm -hmm. And slowly move in when you have those opportunities. Uh, 
in individual stocks, if you see them breaking out, that gives you more reason for exposure. Or in the ETFs, you know, one thing, and I didn't necessarily, I did this a little bit, but I didn't do it enough. But I think you could almost build something or, you know, kind of have an exposure kind of system if you don't see enough stocks breaking out, right? Because I think that's one thing, and maybe we get into that after this, but if you don't see enough stocks breaking out, you could use the ETFs, right? Yeah. You can use the Qs the, or, you know, like you, Justin, the TQQs um, as, hey, every falter day, maybe I add a certain more percentage, right? Maybe the first falter day I add 50% or 25%. Next falter day, I add another 10%, whatever, you know, come up with your own kind of scaling kind of thing. But that would force you to slowly listen to the market, slowly move in, especially if you're not seeing a lot of individual stocks breaking out, because that's usually the way I'll get much more exposure. I see tons of great stocks breaking out. That's giving me the reason to get more exposure to the market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point, what was interesting is sometimes some of these ETFs were kind of showing showing a tell of strength uh, that kind of defied logic. I mean, and I, I think of the home builders, home construction, you know, yeah, uh, you could look yeah. at either XHB or ITB. Um, you know, those were skyrocketing. And it's like, wait, you know, the interest rates are going up. Uh, it's harder to, you know, have have homes be affordable. And the home builders are, you know, I mean, a potential recession is coming. Uh, there's fears of how they're going to navigate the soft landing. Is it going to be even possible? And you know, you had both of these ETFs uh, really, really skyrocketing. Um, so again, this is sometimes where technical analysis will expose things to you that like maybe maybe your fundamental research uh, would kind of lead you astray. You know, you could certainly build a case against these. Uh, you could, I mean, people have been building a case against retail uh, for, for a very long time. Um, and yet here we are, you know, here's two, two very strong ETFs. Um, now you did have a lot of things coming off the bottom and, mm -hmm. you know, to your earlier point, uh, whether it was short covering, um, or, you know, people just saying, okay, the, these, these have come down enough. Uh, it's, I, I can't stand it. They're, they're so cheap. I have to, I have to get in. Um, you know, there's, there's, you can debate a lot of the reasons why, but the fact is you look at the chart and it's telling you exactly what's happening. Um, one other thing I just wanted to mention because you brought up volume uh, and how you see that that rising volume on the blue, the blue days for the NASDAQ composite, I think uh, equally as important is the lack of volume that we're seeing on the red days. Yes, um, exactly. you know, we just really haven't had much in the way of distribution. Yes, a lot of those days have been above average, but they always seem to come in lower than the previous day. Um, and that was that was Bill's definition of distribution. Um, when you had uh, distribution, that's when it comes in higher than the previous day. It doesn't have to be above average, just higher than the previous day. And that was what was more important to him. And uh, so far, the trend has been lower volume on the on the down days. Yeah. And with all of this, how and with, with such a powerful start to the year, all of these accumulation days, we're still, when you take a step back and look at the longer trend, and I, I switched over the weekly chart here on the NASDAQ, we're still in a downtrend, mm -hmm. the longer one. So, yeah, as long, until we really break on the NASDAQ, you know, that 13,181 level, and now start establishing more of a higher high, you're still in a longer term uh, bear or a downtrend, 
mm-hmm. a shorter term kind of uptrend because you, you started to take out shorter term kind of you've, we, we've taken the first step, but we haven't taken that next step that uh, that's breaking even more downtrends or getting becoming a more significant uptrend. So you just want to keep that in mind. Uh, so, it, it, you know, I the fundamental both the technicians and the fundamental, uh, you know, focus people, they both could be right in the end. It's just different time frames. Right. right. This could be a, <laughs> a sharp bear market rally right uh-huh. into that 13,000 level. And then the downtrend could resume. And that would make both people right, yeah. uh, you know, in the end. So it really does come down to that, that time frame. But for from our perspective, I think the biggest thing is you want to keep it simple. We've had a fall through day. We've had a, a number of additional fall through days starting to see a number of stocks a bunch of stocks starting to act better and better and so you should have exposure to this market right and one of the things that we also uh have is what market school termed a power trend so we'll talk a little bit more about that um you know and 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 basically the idea behind a power trend is you know that it's um you're you're getting to a point where the the uptrend has had enough uh oomph behind it that it's something that can last. But of course, you know, not all power trends are uh, created equal. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about some of those historical examples, some historical examples of uh, the subsequent follow through days. And we'll get all into that in our next segment. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leveraged and inverse ETFs from Directions. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, and Arusha Paris is joining me as he does every week. He's an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager and my weekly special guest, always joining me uh, to to hash through the market and what's happening. So let's talk a little bit about the the concept of getting back in and how you know it's for real. Um, certainly, one of the things that has been a little frustrating here is that while the indexes have been really strong, specifically the NASDAQ, I mean, this was such a phenomenal January for the NASDAQ composite uh, to start the year, um, there are still those landmines out there. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, Arusha. Uh, you know. I feel like for my, for me personally, I'm seeing more stocks get up to 20%, you know, whereas before it was like, oh man, if I had 10%, I better take it because it was going to, you know, get taken away from me quickly. I've had more go up, go up 20%, but there's still a lot of stocks that just seem to get hit out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it really, it, 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 this is not necessarily, even though with all those falter days that we had, it's not necessarily an easy market. Right. You know, Mark got terms that, you know, hard dollar, you know, easy hard money. penny, <laughs> hard, sorry, hard, penny, hard, easy hard penny, easy dollar. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's not an easy dollar just yet. It's starting to get a little bit better, but uh, but there are plenty of landmines uh, out there and there are plenty of stocks that are still kind of going up to five percent and not making a lot of progress. So it really right. just comes down to your experience. And if you you're you've been in some of those stocks that have had more trouble uh, or aren't moving as fast, then maybe you're not as, maybe you don't have as much exposure, right? So it really just comes down to how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're making progress, if you're proving it to yourself just by 
the trading success, then you that gives you uh, more ability to have more exposure to the market. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean everyone, even though the markets had all this uh, huge run on the indices, doesn't necessarily mean that we should all be on margin, right? Because right. there have been plenty of stocks that have been tricky in the, in this market. Mm -hmm. And and it's important that we continually use the market as a feedback mechanism, right? You know, it, right. It, you, you, you put some money out there and rather than putting it all in at once, because you never know uh, if if the market is going to work or not. Uh, the benefit that we have is that we can make incremental uh, bets, basically. You know, you can get in a little bit at a time. And as the market starts proving that your decisions are right and you're on the right track, uh, then you put more out and that's that's how you get fully invested or even on margin uh, when the conditions are right um, and on the flip side when you get keep when you keep on getting slapped down uh, rather than you know touching that hot stove over and over again you just back away a little bit and say okay you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna ease my exposure uh, I'm going to wait and see if I can get some better setups, um, maybe even do a, a quick little post analysis and say, hey, am I doing something wrong here or is it just uh, an effect of the market? Um, and and certainly when like what happened in 2022, when you're below the 200 day moving average line, when you're below the 50 day line for so much of the time, you know that you're in a downtrend you have to also change your rules you know in terms of buying you have to be more cognizant of defense and um, recognize that a lot of the patterns aren't going to work because it's a bear market and that was something that uh, bill o'neill was very uh, vocal about and and wrote in big bold letters in his uh, books you know loud warning to the wise you know yeah. a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here is not going to work in a bear market yeah and you looking back in history, yeah, you know, we we theorize like at, when we had that March falter day in two thousand and nine, mm -hmm. it really took like four months, yeah, before O'Neill type of can slim type of stocks really set up kind of our classic patterns that we look for and then worked really well. And so it was it, it was pretty tricky during that year. Uh, or even in 2002, we had a follow-through day in October of 2002 that worked for six, seven weeks and then came back in pretty hard. And then eventually we had the, the March 2003 that ended up working a lot better. And there were a lot more bases in, in more of the growth type of stocks that were breaking out powerfully. So we might be in that one of those kind of phases where you're, Stocks are starting to act better. You're starting to make a little bit of progress, but it's not tons of stocks with great growth potential breaking out of perfect bases on powerful breakouts. And you kind of feel like that kid in the candy store. So we, I kind of feel like we're in that phase where we're, we're setting ourselves up for an even better kind of run down, down the line. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you bring up that 2002 example. Um, maybe we could just kind of do a historical look there because there are a few things that are, um, I think, worth noting in terms of some similarities. So if we go back to, um, you know, may, maybe go back to like March 03 or, you know, maybe even May of 03 because that can kind of show how March played out. Um, and again, this is where the change date feature comes in real handy uh, on MarketSmith. So you can kind of see what things looked like at the time and um yeah you know this is 
this is a, a market where remember the Nasdaq composite had come down 79% off of its peak. We had just a lot of this, um, this, this, these, these rallies, some very strong rallies. Um, but the 200 day moving average line was, uh, containing the move, you know, to the downside sound familiar. Uh, yeah. and yeah. we had, um, also, you know, just, just so you know, in October of 2002, I'm looking at my spreadsheet right now. Uh, we had a follow through day on October 15th, 2002, yep. and, we had a number of subsequent follow-through days. So we had one on October 17th, uh, a little bit of distance, October 30th, uh, November 1st, November 4th, November 6th, and then November 12th. So uh, until this last one, that was a, a tie for some of the most subsequent no, follow-through days that we had. Um, so Justin, now, okay, so how many were those right there? In that so, 25 window, what, what in was that the number? 25-day window, yeah. So you have the follow through day plus yeah. six subsequent follow through days. Okay, so total seven there. Yeah. For this this current rally that we're in, how many in that first twenty five? So in the first twenty five days, we had uh, the follow through day and seven uh, subsequent so follow through days. So so, so, so we had eight this eight. time. We had so, yeah. so okay. And then we actually followed it up with another day, but it was just outside of the twenty five day window. So okay. I mean, okay. you know, Tuesday was another day that would have yeah. qualified otherwise. Yeah. Um, so we we, we kind of labeled that a, an accumulation day, but you know, it it it, it still would have qualified. Yeah. Um, so we can also you know kind of talk a little bit about the the concept of the power trend so again remember the idea behind the power trend there's a few things that we look at uh, the 21 day moving average line is above the 50 day and the index we also like to see is trending above the 21 day line so it stays above it for at least 10 days and then we also like to see that the uh, the 50 day moving average line is above um, or in an uptrend you know, so if, if it's in a downtrend, we're not going to call it a power trend. When you have those things in place, then we say, okay, this is something that could be, um, you know, could be special. This could have uh, some lasting effects. And in this case, the power trend did start. We did get a power trend that started on November 4th. So we had that follow through day. And then by the time November 4th rolled around, we had all of the elements of a power trend. And Look, so we had all of those subsequent follow-through days. We had a power trend that started. You know, by the way, we had a power trend start in this this latest rally too. Um, but then we we were still below the 200-day moving average line. Right. And once we got there, we, you know, we we kind of came in. Now that um, that was almost low, classic, right? Because you had right. the yeah, downside exactly. reversal and came in. Yep. Yeah. So um, we had the October low that did hold. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and then you know. Bill was very keen on the three waves down that got formed uh, at that point. So you had that rally into the 200-day line. You had a single wave down, back to the 200-day line, another wave down. And then you didn't quite get up to the 200-day line, um, but you had another leg down. And one of the things he noticed was that, you know, the volume was starting to kind of pick up on the, on the positive side and, um, you know, be a little bit less on the negative side. So... What ended up happening is the accumulation distribution rating for the index, the NASDAQ composite, ended up switching to an A, or like wow. I think it was like an A minus. Um, and then you have the follow through day that uh, occurred on um, uh, March 17th, right? 03.
and that's the one that that works. Now it didn't go straight up; it went kind of sideways for a little bit, um, but then this is where you had uh, the the real power and what really kind of started the bull market that lasted uh, really through you know the the until the great financial crisis. Not straight up the whole time, but certainly a lot of power behind it. Yeah, and and you know and the, that March seventeenth. I mean, I clearly remember because that that was really kind of the the first falter day that I really saw following mm-hmm. the system, and that was the same day that we went into Iraq, uh, right? And you know, it, and that always kind of just blew my mind that uh, everyone's worried yeah. about what's going on there, and here's the market going, hey, it's a signal to buy, right? Yeah. So it's it's you know the markets are always going to go do the opposite. Of what you're you're hoping the news was the worst you know and the markets are turning at that time you know mm-hmm. kind of like you know th- that's so that you always want to keep that in mind because the news when you look at from a macro level it's pretty bad right mm-hmm. you're starting to see we, we just saw we just saw on twitter right now that disney's laying off seven thousand people you're seeing all these layoffs and uh the things i guess from from a larger perspective are, are getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the market a lot of times will kind of discount that in and turn when everyone you know doesn't expect it. Right. Uh, you know what? One, one more example that we can show that was also during this um, kind of uh, bear, bear market, this really horrible dot-com crash that we had. Um, if you kind of go back uh, a, a little bit earlier and you know, we've talked about this, the September 11th, uh, you know, tragedy happened in 2001. But shortly after, you know, there was a very powerful rally. This rally was, you know, a, a yeah. 40% move in the index, you know. And, you know, granted, it, it was short-lived. It didn't work ultimately. But um, this is another case where you had uh, the follow-through day was on the 28th. So you can kind of see where the 9-11 tragedy happened. The market was closed for four days. We went lower after that, you know, so the, the gap was a little bit earlier than that, you know, four day gap where you see kind mm-hmm. of the space, um, you know, we, we ultimately bottomed out. We had our follow through day on the nine on the 28th um, and then a subsequent follow through day on October 3rd, another one on October 10th, October 11th, October 16th, October 24th, October 25th. So another one wow. where we had a follow through day plus six subsequent follow through days. Um, and, you know, again, it was kind of showing you that the market was, you know, whether it was short covering, whether it was, um, you know, just a lot of buying, you know, I mean, almost patriotic buying at the time. People were like, you know, <laughs> we, we we want America to, to, to live and, you know, right. show our faith and, and everything like that. Um, now, in this case, um, we didn't get a power trend um, until November nineteenth uh, of one. You know that's when that's when uh, you know I think you 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 had you had the twenty one day above the fifty day for a while, and you just didn't have the low staying above the twenty one day, and you also had to wait for that fifty day moving average line to kind of turn into an uptrend. So you can see how it was kind of flattening out, and then it yeah. had to turn into an uptrend. So the, the power trend did come later on this one, November 19th. Um, and, and it was short lived, uh, you know, the power trend only lasted until January 28th. Um, Oh two. And, you know, you did make some progress above the 200 day moving average line and it looked like you were holding above there for a while. This was, this was looking promising. 
Right. But it ultimately did fail and go to new lows. Um, that's not to say that that's, what, that's what's going to happen this time. But I think you have to hold that scenario in your mind that that is possible. You know, it, it is possible that, you know, maybe the maybe the soft landing doesn't happen. Maybe uh, maybe inflation gets entrenched. Um, there, there's a, there's a lot of maybes behind it, but you have to still have your risk management rules in place because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we haven't gotten the all clear signal. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's why the day by day, week by week approach is the most realistic one to stay on top of the market, right? Where you're just kind of taking the new evidence that comes in and letting that guide you. And you're looking at the markets, whether they're above these cumulative averages, where in the power trend, and then you're also looking at those stocks, whether some of the stocks that you've bought, you're actually making progress or not. Uh, and and I've always found that that's just kind of the, the best way. And the, so the market will slowly push you in, uh, pull you in and slowly push you out. Uh, if, if you're kind of just let, just kind of just using those basic, basic metrics, uh, uh, to tell you how, how much exposure to get in or not. Right. Absolutely. Uh, one more example, and, uh, we'll go ahead and kind of, uh, you know, wrap up this learning lesson, but I also wanted to kind of show, uh, 1991 because I mean, this was, this was the start of, uh, such a, such a beautiful, beautiful, uh, uh, bull market. So um, if, if we kind of go back to, you know, I mean, you can go back to 1992 um, to kind of give give some sense. But the, the follow through day that we will start with is on the 23rd of January in 1991. And this is another case where you just got immediately a lot of evidence. Um, so kind of like what we saw this this last time, you know, you had a bottom, you held above the bottom. But, you know, in this last instance, you know, we, we came down a lot more. We came down a lot closer to our to October lows. Um, we didn't hold as well. Um, but in, in 1991, we arguably were in a little bit of a stronger spot uh, to, to start. And we had the follow through day on January 23rd, uh, a subsequent on, 20, on the 24th, another subsequent follow through day on the 30th of January, then on February 4th, February 5th, February 6th, and then another one on February 11th. And so, and then you, you can see it didn't stop there. I mean, this was just, yeah. that was nuts. Um, and so, this, was the, this was the Iraq War one. Yeah. Yeah. Persian Gulf, uh, you know, so. It going in Kuwait, right? Iraq mm -hmm. going in Kuwait. Um, and then we did have a, a, a power trend, of course, uh, that, that started here. Um, the power trend started on. Uh, Actually, it started before that follow-through day. Um, you know, it, it started on the uh, 12th of December. Wow. You know, so back there. So basically what had happened is it kind of, um, we had enough distribution and everything like that to kind of reset to where we, we needed a new follow-through day. Mm -hmm. and, um, but the power trend remained intact in this case. And you can see we, we actually ended up getting support at the 50-day moving average line. So this was a, definitely in a different position this time around, um, a stronger position. But again, if you if you go forward, you know, to 1995 on and and, and look at the weekly, you can see what kind of power um, started here. And this power trend, by the way, lasted, um, gosh, un until you know until June of uh, of, of 91, before it, it it got into a little bit of trouble. But overall, 
this was just such a such a powerful market, one of the best that we'll we'll ever see. Unfortunately, I was in high school when it started, so <laughs> exactly. I didn't I didn't participate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us did. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, any 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 final thoughts on kind of the the subsequent follow through days and the and the power trends? The, some of these historical examples that you you want to note here, Arusha. I think, you know, when you when you use objective signals like this, that's what's going to help you get in around the right time and stay in uh, because your psychology is is not going to be in the right place during when the markets are turning. You're just going to be so used to just like we've been used to over the last year, just seeing everything not work. Yeah. And so when you see kind of all these indicators saying, hey, we might have a chance here. It's not it's not 100 percent guarantee, but we might have a chance here. And you're using the follow through day, additional follow through days and the power trend that at least is going to put history on your side and and just kind of let uh, let the markets and let these signals guide you how, how much exposure. And then, of course, in the end, it's your portfolio and yes. how you're making progress, you know, and. You know, obviously cutting your losses when things don't work, because as we, as we saw in some of these examples where, hey, you got over the 200 day, things are looking really good. And then all of a sudden it, it, it turns around for whatever reason and undercuts. And now you're back in the downtrend. And you have to wait another three, four months before something else sets up. Mm-hmm. And Arusha, you've said it a couple times already, but I'm just going to go ahead and repeat it. You know, it's not just about the indexes. It's also you have to look at those individual stocks and your portfolio and the progress you're making and, and stuff like that because you know sometimes growth does take a little bit longer to come on and so you you might not be making the progress immediately because it's things coming off the bottom and the bottom fissures and the short covering that kind of drives it forward at first um, before the growth growth names finally you know get their setups get their get their cups with handles and and everything like that um so yeah and and one more thing justin i, I would say in it but we are in that time right now where you have all these signals where you want to on the weekends try to do a little bit more work building up those watch lists uh, and and becoming familiar with some of these stocks that are doing well because uh they could be the the next leaders uh, of yeah. a, a potential new bull market Absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the leaders that are on our watch list. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, along with our O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager, weekly guest, Arusha Pierce. So uh, Arusha, let's talk a little bit about some of the stocks that are showing up. And it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag, right? There's uh, some stocks that are already looking extended because they've been running up for a while. There's those that are kind of doing these bottoming bases. They're coming off the bottom, so it's a little tough. Um, but maybe we start with On Semiconductor. Now, you know, as a reminder, I think, uh, you know, Simon Erickson, when he was on our podcast, he did a deep dive on this and the whole mm-hmm. silicon carbide, uh, you know, uh, thing that they're doing, how it's, it's so important for EVs. Um, but if we take a look at this weekly chart, what I love about this is how much tighter the bases are getting. And you can see this by by just kind of rolling over with the pattern recognition. It tells you how deep the base is. You've got a depth of 37 percent then 28 percent 
and this most recent base just 23%. So yes, it hasn't been making progress, but it also each time seems like it's giving giving up less too. It just um, and remember that this has all happened during a bear market. So this has just really been like saying, I don't want to go down. Uh, what's what's your take on it? Yeah, well, uh, the, well, this kind of base, those three bases that you mentioned, Justin, that reminds me of uh, the presentation that we did. The, we did a, a seminar years and years ago uh, in Chicago. It was the original trading summit. Uh, mm. And we, a number of us did each kind of unique presentations. And mine was uh, faulty to constructive, where the yeah. bases just keep getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And so this, this is a pretty good example of that, where you're going from consolidations, which are essentially just trading ranges, right? They're not neat enough. Uh, they're not tight enough to become kind of classifying the, the classic bases that we look for. And then eventually it turns into a cup. So yeah. this, I do own this uh, stock. Uh, this is uh, a number of the semiconductors have been acting really, really well. And uh, this, I think, uh, was one of the closer ones that kind of fit more of the traditional type of O'Neill entries, O'Neill type of stocks that we look for, or is, is one of the, the better ones, I think. Uh, and so this broke out of a cup last week, reported earnings. It got through earnings. It's uh, currently a little extended 8% from its pivot. Uh, and the relative strength line is right at 52-week highs. So on a tactical basis, it's pretty good. Uh, it, it is acting well. It, it, it's been a little choppy, a little tricky. Uh, so it hasn't made it necessarily easy, but uh, it's working. Mm -hmm. So there is some progress there. Now, when you look at the fundamental side, this is where it gets interesting. And I think this kind of is a good example of the market that we're in. Uh, the fundamentals are almost the opposite of, of ideally what we're looking for. They're pretty good right. fundamentals still, right? And as Simon Erickson, when he came on, uh, a lot better than a lot of other things out there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. on a relative basis, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, so yeah, the the larger story, the trends are are definitely in its favor. Uh, but when you look at kind of from the O'Neill uh, perspective, uh, you're seeing deceleration. Of earnings, right? So you're seeing 113 percent to 67 to 21, and then the sales are also starting to drop, right? You're going last March it was 31 percent, the one to 25, 26, 14, right? So you are seeing a slowdown in growth. So you're in this kind of weird situation where these are some of the stocks that are working, but the fundamentals aren't necessarily working. Uh, so naturally. I've gone in, but I've gone a little bit smaller of position on it. Just to see, can I get traction on it? If once I get, if I get traction on this and I lock in the gains for this, that'll give me more confidence to go a little bit bigger and hopefully something else that has even more of, of kind of both the fundamentals and tacticals. But overall, I think this is worth keeping an eye on, uh, even if you're not in it, to see if it's working, right? Is the market right. rewarding this type of stock? 92 yeah. RS rating. Composite rating is 94, relative strength is 94. So the metrics are there from our rating perspective. And then the kind of the annual earnings are, are moving up too. So so I, I think this has enough there to that's worth taking a shot, putting some money. And that, at least that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if it works, right? Uh, if it doesn't work, I'll just cut my losses and, and, and move on at that point. But uh, so so that that's uh, one of the semiconductors. I had to get some exposure to, yeah. to uh, the semiconductors because they have been working uh, pretty well.
So th this one's a little bit extended now. Uh, yes. And, and so again, you have to wait for your next shot. But certainly, again, if you just compare this relative strength and, and just the way the chart looks, compared to like SMH, for instance, you know, um, SMH is the Vanek Semiconductor ETF. And, you know, this has been doing really well. Absolutely, on the technical side, it's 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 made a nice gain from its October lows. Even this year, it's been one of the standout areas. But you can just see that on semiconductor was in a very different position. It was it was in that position where it just wasn't giving up ground as readily, and it was already getting to new highs. Uh, whereas SMH, you know, it, it's still well off its highs um, and and everything. But I'm glad you brought up the fundamentals. Uh, one one other question I have for you is. This is something we're seeing in a lot of stocks right now is the, the forward looking estimates are not, you know, we're, we're seeing red, right? It's, right. It's, 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 it's not it's not that it doesn't have earnings, you know, it, it still is profitable, but those profits are slowing, not growing. Um, how much of a concern is that for you? Since, again, we're just seeing it so prevalent right now. Yeah, it. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm keeping an eye on it, and I mean, so it is important. It, it raise. I mean, it's one reason why I'm a little bit more cautious, right? I'm not going in kind of with the classic twenty percent position if I'm making progress, right? The ten, you're slowly you start at a ten percent position, then if you're working, then you move it up to sixteen, and then finally twenty. I'm nowhere near that. Uh, it's my my position's around a ten percent position, some ten percent, uh, seven to ten percent. Uh, type of position right now uh, so I've, I've adjusted for that risk and mm -hmm. so yeah i it the fundamental to kind of just the trends on the fundamental side they do concern me um and and so it is this really and we're going to show you some other examples here where this is kind of a, a closer to what we're looking for but it's not ideal and then we'll just so some other stocks that are working that from even from a technical standpoint isn't necessarily the classic type of uh, entries that we look for yeah yeah. So um, and as a reminder for folks that if you are listening to this, um, we are we are showing some charts uh, as we're going through here. And if you ever want to take a look at that video, you can always find that at www.investors.com slash podcast. Um, let's go ahead and switch over to ODFL. Now, um, Old Dominion, uh, this, this is kind of in, in the transportation truck area. This is this is one of the old stalwarts. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. this is uh, uh, actually let's start in the monthly on this one, because you know, you, you might not realize what kind of move this has actually had over time. This is kind of like long term leader status um, because it it has just these very, um, you know, it, it just goes up. Not not a screamer where people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I just really killed it on my ODFL. You know, that's not something that you hear people talk about in, in cocktail parties, but it's one of those that it just over time uh, has this amazing run. And if you look on the weekly chart, um, you know, the EPS growth rate is 28% and the earning stability is 12. You know, now that earning stability goes from one to 99. The, the lower the number, the more stable the earnings are. And a lot of times we find that those long-term leaders have very stable earnings and ODFL is definitely in that, um, in that vein. Um, so here we have a EPS rating of 97 on the fundamental side you know, strong, but again, we're seeing deceleration, mm -hmm. forward-looking estimate for 2023, uh, a negative 2% there uh, for, for growth. Um, not as bad, but 
you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not good. Um, so that's on the fundamental side. What about on the technical side here? Yeah. So the, the technical side, and I'll, I'll switch over. Well, I'll, I'll show this on the weekly charts. Uh, so this is a larger consolidation. So a lot of times when I see a larger consolidation, you know, I, I'm always a little bit more hesitant on it because it could be just a large train range where there's a lot more volatility. But uh, it did get past that essentially 300, 310 level right there, which is where a lot of the resistance was. Uh, and and so that, it getting through that was definitely a positive. You see the relative strength line right at uh, 52 week highs and 90 RS rating. Now, when I switch over to the daily, this is what I like. And so this is on my watches. I don't necessarily own it right now, but uh, it reported earnings and you had a powerful earnings gap. And so that's telling me that, okay, the market at least is a little bit more optimistic about the stock. They're uh, it was up 239% volume above average. And so there are some bigger players starting to move into the stock. And then over the last week or so, it's really just been kind of consolidating that gap uh, in, in almost kind of a flag type of, of pattern setup right here. So it's had this really strong move up and it was up 10% that day. And no one necessarily wants to sell it and lock in their gains. Um, and, and so it's holding tight. So I do like that. And a lot of times when I see that kind of strong move and they hold tight, you know, that's telling me that, you know, this stock might have a chance to kind of just continue that momentum. Uh, right. And a lot of times, you know, you call that an earnings drift or, you know, there is a lot of momentum kind of coming in um, to those if they are powerful enough. Mm -hmm. And it certainly speaks to the fact that, you know, investors are comfortable with it at that higher level, you know, that it's, uh, yeah. you know, it had that gap up and it was able to kind of hold, hold those gains, I think just, you know, speaks to, hey, you know, something, something fundamentally changed here. Um, the the valuation models for a lot of analysts had to change and uh, they're, they're, they're comfortable with it up at, at, at this level. So we're, we're kind of at that three, you know, I think the 355, you kind of saw some congestion there. If you go back to the weekly chart, you saw some congestion there, like in the November 2021 top. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're right back up there. So I, I, I think this is a perfect place for it to pause and, and take a little break because a lot of times you can build another little platform from which you can launch off of uh, and, and into further heights. So uh, this is definitely one that's on my, on my radar as well. Um, I, I did. I did like how it crossed that 325 level, that earlier resistance area uh, that had gotten touched a number of times. Um, it broke through that with conviction. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping this pause gives us a, a, another shot at this one. Um, and you know, this is a group that we're seeing more strength in. It's number 45 out of 197. So that's uh, that's pretty strong as well. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, one of the hard hit areas was uh, certainly computer software enterprise computer software database you know a lot of these areas um you know they were the they were the big growers in 2020 computer software enterprise especially and uh they were they were also the hardest hit in in you know after the 2021 top so now this is this is something that's a little bit different so explain how this kind of gets on your radar when it's not your typical Oh look! This is something that had this big uptrend, uh, and is is basing from it. This is more of a what what we what we call a bottoming base, right? Yeah. So how it gets on the radar? Just looking at a lot of stocks. 
um, right. and noticing like and, and so like if I pull up the IGV, which is software, yeah. so and, and a lot of times you can start r- running into this more uh, if you're looking more from a, a se- sector uh, level, an ETF level. If you're going through a number of those kind of charts and say, hey, you know what? On IGV, this is the first time it's over the 200-day or the 40-week line on the on this weekly chart um, in over a year, right? So maybe the, I mean that's a character change. Yeah, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay above it, but at least it's finally got above it. So that is a different kind of behavior that it's shown in over 12 months here. Uh, and then it's like, oh, what are the, how are the software stocks doing? And then that, and you can start drilling out down that way. Uh, so New Relic is yet one of the the uh, new another example here. I mean, there are tons of software stocks that over the last few weeks, really, I've, I want to say over the last ten days, have started mm-hmm. to get above the the ten day. And I'm sure Chat GPT definitely helped a lot of these stocks uh, right. bring in some momentum and enthusiasm in, into this area. And uh, now this is where it's tricky. You know, a lot of these stocks are kind of coming off the bottom or there's a lot of overhead supply uh, and they're far away from from all time highs or at least 52 week highs. Right. So uh, maybe a little bit closer to 52 week highs because they've just been uh, some of them have going sideways enough. But here's New Relic. It, we just ran. We just went went through some screens right before this segment right here. And New Relic just reported earnings, had a powerful gap up. And this is a little bit, this is a character change for this stock. It's it's made a higher high for the first time in quite a while. Relative strength line is hitting a 52-week high. So you're getting the blue dot right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are starting to see an acceleration in earnings, right? 230 last quarter, 278 this quarter. The volume over the last uh, six weeks is starting to improve. And so you're, you are starting to see a shift here. But this is the this is the problem is these aren't necessarily kind of the classic type of entries that we look for. Now, this does have a prior uptrend uh, right. that, that it formed right in in, in yeah. half uh, you know last year, formed a base and it's breaking out. So if you the way I look at it is I really like the company and have a lot of conviction. This would be I would consider it right, and if it settles down and sets something else up. Uh, but it isn't kind of the traditional kind of entry, but these are a number of the type of entries or number of the type of stocks that have been working uh, this time around and pushing up. And guess what? It kind of looks like the NASDAQ that's coming off the bottom, right? We've had all these additional falter days. It's coming off the bottom. It's not like like the NASDAQ's right right near its all-time highs. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not a surprise you're seeing a lot of these tech tech-related stocks coming off their bottoms or starting to make um, newer highs that they haven't done in a little while. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is is worth noting is, especially if this is going to be a rally that works, um, one of the things that, at least in the 2009, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, one of the things that I, I learned from Bill and watching what he did, because I look, I, I, didn't, I didn't do 2009 so great. You know, I was just late to the party. It was like, th- these, these setups aren't you know, they're not pretty, you know, they, they were some ugly looking charts that were still, you know, below their 200 day lines when they were uh, uh, kind of when Bill was buying some of them. Uh, the only time I've really seen them buy below the 200 day line. But one of the things he pointed out was, look, when the indexes are making new lows and you're looking at stocks that are holding up. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's a, one of the things that stuck out to me about New Relic is, you know, you had the 
the the stock bottom out in May and the the market kept on making these lows and it was holding well above you know it was still below the 200 day line the 40 week line you know all of that uh, the 10 week line even but it it was holding um above and so i guess that's what i'm looking for it to do right now is it had that strong earnings and just like we saw with uh you know some of our other examples odfl can it hold you know can it hold that level now and uh kind of build build a platform from which to build off of yeah uh, for a number of these stocks they they're the the bottoms they made their bottoms in june right not necessarily october where the market might have made its bottom so i right. i think that's a really good point there you are seeing a, a number of these divergences from these software stocks and it, it really does bring me back to a lot of those uh, masters classes that uh bill o'neill would do every yeah. december and one of those lessons was this divergence uh so i think that that's a good point and you might be seeing a rotation uh towards these software stocks and if you and if you didn't necessarily get into them at this point, if the if it's a true rotation, they're going to set up again. They should go up on an uptrend, twenty plus percent, and form new bases and hopefully even more constructive bases. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so there's a few stocks uh, for you to kind of keep an eye on, and uh, more importantly, it's not about the individual stocks, but kind of the look that they have. You know, so make sure that you're kind of paying attention to to those elements, the relative strength, and everything else that we just talked about, because that's how you're going to find more of these stocks on your own. The whole idea of uh, te teaching teaching someone to fish uh, rather than just giving them the fish. So we hope you take that to heart. And uh, thanks a lot for joining us this week. Uh, we uh, will be back next week with Brian shannon uh gosh this this uh this is just one of the great great technical analysts um it's always a pleasure to have him on we're also going to be talking about a new book that he has coming out so we hope you join us for that some of the new new things he's sharing in the new book um and uh yeah we're looking forward to a great conversation with him so hope you join us for that and thanks so much for watching us this time we'll see you then and for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.